This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Body Talk for 2022. And today we have the first guest that I ever actually interviewed for the Body Talk podcast. Even though it didn't air first, she was the first interviewee. She's been a friend for a long time. You know her, you love her, I know her, I love her. She is the creator of Tune Up Fitness and author of The Role Model. Jill Miller, Happy New Year and welcome back to Body Talk. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, listeners don't know that we've already been laughing for 30 minutes prior to talking. So <laughs> I hope I've got some puns left in me. You better, you better, you better, you better. Uh, yeah, we kind of we kind of warmed up for a little bit and caught up. It's been a while since we actually spoke in person, and we just thought we'd uh, kick off the new year by talking about what was really cool in 2021. Because believe it or not, some good shit happened, and also what we're excited about for 2022. It was a big year for fascia, or for for those that were paying attention. <laughs> Yes, we had exciting pictures of the extracellular matrix. Oh, yes. Those wonderful, wonderful micro photographs that were done in all the colors that came out just before the end of the year that showed everything all entwined. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. We're still figuring out what it means, but for fashion nerds, it's kind of like those deep telescope photographs of the universe. We got a deep telescope photograph of the inner universe. And that just happened in December. Madly Googling extracellular matrix photos over here, by the way, folks, <laughs> you missed them. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that one out at me. How did I miss Oh, sorry. Hey, I, I put it on social media. I mean, everybody didn't see it. Well, you know, our <laughs> algorithms aren't always coinciding. I am, I am currently working on a new song called Algorithm and Blues. <laughs> and I'm just wondering why nobody's done that yet. And now that I've said it, somebody will probably beat me to it because I think we all feel the algorithm and blues once in a while. I know I do. Oh, for, for sure. No, you actually, you rank, you rank very high um, in my page when you post, when you seldom post, you should. <laughs> I am doing less. It's true. Uh, but I've had a lot of deadlines this year. So what's one of the things that excited you this year in fascia? Oh man. Well, I'm a, in addition to being on your podcast, I am a big follower of your podcast. And, uh, you know, even though you and I haven't talked at length for a while, um, my phone is full of volleyball text messages back and forth with you. Um, I got to say, like, for me, the Christmas present at the end of this year was the Delphi study on foam rolling, which came out, I think, November 17th. We got this great dump from the uh, from dozens of fascia or I would say foam roller experts that had gone through a Delphi process to try to figure out what are the big no-nos in foam rolling like where who shouldn't be foam rolling or can foam rolling cause um, severe injury to the body what conditions um, should be on the lookout if you have them and um there were about 37 experts that were tapped to do the study. I have to say, I wish I had been part of it, but I don't write about foam rolling. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a ball person and, you know, specifically a soft ball person, although I have written about foam rolling in your book. 
That, well, then that's why I have a lot of softball questions here for you later on in the pod today. Chuck. Oh, very good. I can take them. All right. So I got the first <laughs> score on the pun contest. I'm keeping track here. Uh, but let's let's not get you off track. So so why don't you explain what the big deal is for a, a Delphi study as opposed to a regular study? Because some of our listeners might not know. Well, they had to scour all all publications on all, all research done on foam rolling. And by the way, foam rolling or self-myofascial release has only been in the research log since 1990. So we're talking really 32 years of research on self-myofascial release as a thing. And, and so the, you know, the leaders of this, the study, basically they were trying to source out uh, people who had written papers on foam rolling or had co-authored papers on foam rolling. And they came up with ultimately more than 37 um, people, but 37 um, experts ended up going through this process where they were presented with dozens and dozens of different um, pathologies or conditions of the human body and basically rated them on whether they thought they should those type of conditions should never use a foam roller or whether they should have caution around using a foam roller. And it got whittled down through three rounds on these conditions. And ultimately they landed on only six things. And by the way, on these six things, two of them were contraindications, never roll. And then four of them were cautions, you know, caution, yellow flag. You may need to really think about this before you roll, but none of them were hundred percent consensus. And I thought that was insanely interesting that that's, um, go ahead i'm sorry to interrupt but that's the other thing that too about a delphi study unlike a systematic review um these are people that are hand-picked and the questions are often done anonymously so it really tries to to assemble a panel of true experts and then eliminate all possible bias while they're doing the analysis. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, they don't know each other. And so really the sort of psychological influence that one can have on, on another or open dialogue is that's left, that's totally off the table. I mean, they can put uh, a sentence or two about why they think something should be included, but ultimately it's, it's, group, it's group rule uh, in terms of consensus. So what did they, what were the four, what were the two nevers and the four contraindications? So this is for foam rolling. And I just want to keep reemphasizing that this is about mm -hmm. the tool of a foam roller, not to can be confused with balls, not to be confused with a vibrating tool, but I think um, potentially there's probably some really good guardrails here that all self-myofascial release applicators should really listen to in a big way. So the contraindications are number one, open wounds. Don't foam roll over an open wound. And that seems obvious, but maybe not. Oh, David, I have stories, but I, I will, <laughs> I will hold, hold back on them. Um, the other one is a bone fracture. So don't foam roll on a bone fracture. I think these are really wise Mm -hmm. contraindications yes don't go there mm -hmm. and the cautions are deep vein thrombosis okay yeah that makes and sense. i'm sure that you you can relate to that from massage therapy you're not gonna mm -hmm. 
roll, you're not going to, you have to strum your fingers onto a big clot in somebody's lower leg. Nope. Um, number two, osteomyelitis. So you don't want to be foam rolling over an infected bone. Mm -hmm. You will spread the infection. Or fracture the bone. Oh, that too. Yeah. Uh, number three, myositis ossificans, which is calcifications, just random calcifications that are satellites um, within your muscle tissue. So you might have like a little chunkety ossified floating bone spur in your deltoid. You don't want to be rolling hard on a uh, little floater bone that doesn't belong there. You can see how that would really damage the tissue. And then the last one, number four, is local tissue inflammation. And to me, this mm. is the one, I know, this is the mm -hmm. one that gives me the, hmm, especially if we consider the amazing research that came out just a month prior by Bo Riccio and her oh, yes. lab, oh, yes. which was directly mm -hmm. about treating highly inflamed damaged tissue with extremely soft tissue, with a very soft, um, compressive, oscillating um, silicone, you know, tool, basically. Yeah, um, and we, we interviewed, we interviewed Bori on the podcast uh, right before the holiday break back in November. So you can roll back and get that. Yeah. And listen to it four times like I did, folks, yes. because it is, and read it, because there's so much that she shares um, in her process. She's so thorough. I mean, she, yeah. it, 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 and okay, so I'm going to calm down here. I get very excited because what really she showed was that this, this um, very soft uh, application of rhythmic compressions, 10, 10 minutes a day, uh, two times for five minutes, or even one bout for 10 minutes um, was an influenced the immune response in that area for the better, uh, meaning it actually eradicated, got rid of excess neutrophils and it, it, it surprisingly built more robust muscle fiber types than had the muscle healed on its own without these compressions. So the foam rolling Delphi study says, this is a caution, local tissue inflammation, right? It's not a contraindication, it's a caution. However, when I think about a foam roller on local tissue inflammation, I agree with these people because a foam roller is a very hard um, stress transfer medium. It's a hard tool. Yes. What, what Bo's study- And it's a big tool. It's big, it's cumbersome. It displaces joints like crazy. Um, and it doesn't have any nuance really in terms of, of how much pressure it's constantly delivering mm -hmm. your structure. There, here's a term I just learned you're going to love organic nuance. Yeah. There's no yeah. organic TM. nuance. There's yeah. no organic nuance to it. I mean, there, there could be, if you have a, a compressible foam roller, right. That's mm -hmm. made of softer rubber, but those are, are not those aren't this industry, quote unquote, industry standard foam roller. Are these they're not, very, they're not what very you find. Hard. They're not what you find in the average sporting goods store, but no, for sure. Um, so in, in terms of this, 
these cautions and contraindications, I think that's probably the, you know, because you're basically you're rolling with a hammer, excuse me, foam roller people, but you're rolling with, with a hard thing. I had a roller, I had rolled in the evening, <laughs> all over this IT band. Oh my God. Um, so anyway, great job on the, from the experts. I think you guys did a, a tremendous um, job and I want to see all the notes and we're going to actually, my, uh, my teaching team, we're going to interview Katja Barch, um, who was one great. of the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the consensi, consensi, consensi. Ah, consensi, <laughs> what you say? Um, I just, I just, I recently had the opportunity to meet Katja Bart. She's awesome. You're going to love her. Yeah. So uh, we're going to interview her as part of um, my teachers, my role model and tune up in this teacher so that we can, we want to hear all the stuff that was left off. We want to hear all the notes. We want to hear mm-hmm. her thoughts on what, you know, what, where it landed for her. Yeah, excited about that. Maybe you should interview her too for a podcast. You know, I'm, 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 I'm beginning to think that I should. And hey, I have a piece of information for you that I never yeah. got back to you about going back to Boricio, but I wrote to her and asked her about the pressure mm-hmm. and I did get a response. Oh, 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 I did, but oh. yes, 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 yes. So I okay, need we to- have to explain, you have to explain what, what my constant questioning was to you about the pressure. And by the way, I got into mathematical equations to try to figure this out for myself. So I'm, I'm super curious. I got into mathematical equations. Wow, I sound really smart. Uh, I had to really go <laughs> Dude, back in time. you ever tried math? I mean, like, try <laughs> you crystal math. what Newtons are, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Newtons. Yeah, when you're like, well, we used, uh, we used 0.5 Newtons of pressure. Like, what is that? And that's one of the hardest problems to understand for these pressure studies is trying to ascertain what that means in the real world and how that maybe translates to what uh, I do with my hands and my forearms and what you do uh, with your balls mm-hmm. and such. So I'm going to, Call up her answer. Body Talk will return after the break. Okay, we're back to the podcast, and I've got the answer here from Bo Sue about the pressure regarding the experiment with rats and or mice rather, and mice, there'll be mice, um, mice, 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 mice over the mice, course of mice, five baby. Years. And um, there will be a link to that podcast in the show notes. There'll be a link to that uh, story in the show notes. Anyway, Bo Reese says, thank you for the question. We cannot use the same forces, 0.15 Newton to 0.6 Newton for humans. This is a small animal scale. However, we measure tissue strain, how much the tissue gets bef- deformed. This is a normalized value, so we can consider utilizing this information to study for human scale. We found a 10 to 40% tissue change provided the therapeutic impact on the mice. Oh my gosh. Just go ahead and repeat that again, because you're, okay. you, 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 you that, are that, so, you stopped breathing, your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> went clear eyed as <laughs> yeah and i and i, I gotta explain listeners i was on a, a deep writing deadline when this email came in late november and um so like it was there and it went out of my head thank you jill 
for bringing it back into my head. We found a 10 to 40% tissue change provided the therapeutic impact on mice. So what, that's, what is that's more than significant. That's like yeah. ultra significant. That's, that's, <laughs> I can't even pronounce the word significant. It's so significant. Okay. And you also asked about the licking behaviors. Okay. But I'm curious. So I, I guess yeah. what I would love for her to then um, mm -hmm. mathematically uh, yes. conjure for us is mm -hmm. then what would be the analogous forces and tissue change. Yeah, yeah. Like tell us about the deformation parameters that you would look for in a human if we, you know, orders of magnitude bigger because we're human. Mm -hmm. um, that would be my, that'd be my next question for her. She'd probably be really annoyed by that. Just like, I don't know. I don't study humans. Um, yeah, but she wants to take it there and she wants to, uh, she's trying to work with people who do want to take it there. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, I, no, here's my anterior tibialis. I'll, I'll hand it over to her. And mm -hmm. um, let's see what we get. That's exciting. It's everything I ever wanted to hear. That's a big, big change. Um, and, and, and you know, go ahead. So, so no, so what I, does I said that you suggest to you. So what does that suggest to you before we move on to the next bit? When you hear that, what does that suggest? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the readers should and listeners, the listeners, I just want to reacquaint them the the tips of the little robot squeezers that were, compressing these mice anterior tibialis were like softer than gummy bear texture. Yep. Like really soft. Um, and I think when I did the Newton math, it's about the amount of the amount of pressure. If you laid a pencil eraser, not, not the big rectangles that you use after you've used up the eraser tip on a pencil, but it, 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 if you um, put a pencil eraser, a full one into your hand, or maybe two of them, the amount of pressure those top of pencil erasers would exert into your hand, right? You forgot to extract it away from the pencil because you know you can't really get those freestanding, but that's about the amount of pressure that was going into these anterior tips. Okay, but you have to think of that relative to a little mice anterior tip and not your own. So you have the soft gummy bear, extra soft gummy bear that is exerting the amount of a pencil eraser or two into your body compressively over the course of five minutes, twice a day. And it resulted into somewhere between 10 and 40% tissue change. I just want to cry. I can see that. So I was like, happy. Jill, Jill's going to cry. Jill is going to cry. Um, it's overwhelming. You're allowed. You're allowed. You're allowed. And they gave the mice some cheese afterwards, like a really good brie or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't oh. know about that. But they were very. She, I, I could tell that Bori was very. You know, they, they, they try to take good care of these mice because they have to stress them and then they have to make them feel better, and it's very. Uh, I got a lot of compassion from her. So then my question to you to give mm -hmm. to her, and yes. this is what I want the listeners to hear. I kept hounding you about, well, what is it? What's the tongue? What does the tongue exert on the anterior tip? So that the li licking behavior would be wound, um, wound care or, you know, pain care that an animal has implicitly in its. And you're referring to animals who, when yeah. they are wounded, will just lick the area of the wound. 
Yes, until of course the licking then creates a secondary infection and then that's a problem. But the actual tongue and the stroking, like the, the rhythmic stroking, you know, that obviously has a therapeutic effect um, on, on the damaged tissue. And so I'm just super curious about that. Well, here's what oh, she said. Okay. We also noticed the licking behaviors, yet we are not sure if the degree of mechanical cues from licking is enough to be translated into the tissue underneath the skin. So she thinks it's just sort of moving superficial fascia, but it's not. I, I don't know. I, I sent her a copy of my book. So maybe when I follow up, she will have read it and she'll have some other ideas. Well, uh, I don't pet mice. And so I actually don't know mm -hmm. how loosely, how loose their fur skin, you know, sliding layer is. But I mean, I watch my dog lick and I mean, not, it's not like I'm measuring the tissue deformation, but I don't think Haley's lick is only skimming the surface. I mean, there's pressure, but the tongues are strong. Yeah, I, I don't know how strong a mouse tongue is. I did have the opportunity to dissect a freshly euthanized rat. And when I say fresh, I mean still warm. And getting through the skin layer was the hardest bit. It was huh. so much, it was so much more amazingly tough than getting through the skin on a human cadaver. I mean, I really was, I, 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 I was afraid if I used too much force, I was going to destroy the specimen, but that was like the kind of force I had to use to get through the skin layer. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we're not, that, how, a mat, how a rat translates to a mouse. I don't know, but that's just, that's my experience. But anyway, we now have those questions answered and we have further questions, which I will be happy to see if I can facilitate more answers for. I need a tongue scientist. Is a there tongologist. a tongue? <laughs> okay. Not probably not an ENT because they're not going to, they're, oh. they're not going to be like into the fascist stuff as much <laughs> as we are. Well, we had two groups, the, uh, the, the licked group and the non-licked group. So I don't, I don't see this getting NIH funding, even though they're, they're, they are, there's a lot of money they're pouring into myofascial studies right now. Uh, they're looking for biomarkers. So if you can team up with somebody who can find biomarkers? Biolickers. Uh, biomarkers, markers hmm. like this. I'll just send some really good bourbon. Okay. We'll, we'll get uh, I think that would be bribing the panel, but we can try it and see. I'm just we doing wordplay on the see. word liquor. So I know you are. <laughs> it, just, it didn't work for me. Okay, it did. Be, it, it, it didn't work for me. Okay, okay. I'm a tough. I'm a tough audience, but you're. You know. Uh, don't take it personally. So, hey, if you click on the link in your chat box, you'll see the picture of the extracellular matrix. I did. It's I absolutely over. gorgeous. Yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. And it's sort of, it, it is one of those photographs where, what am I really looking at here? And it's a mouse forelimb, because here we are back to the mice, a located near a bone called the humerus. It was uh, labeled for a protein found in the ECM, uh, laminin that undergirds the tissues and gives them mechanical and biomechanical support. And then they were, this is more confocal scans. So confocal, uh, if that name is familiar, that goes back to the research that Neil Thies did involving the confocal microscope and the tissue specimens that showed that these hard collagen walls between structures were not hard collagen walls, but actually fluid-filled spaces because we changed the instrument that we were looking at. 
from what was that two years ago, three years ago now? Yeah. So I think I think we're going to see a lot more confocal microscope type photos kind of blowing our minds, uh, just like the new telescope that is almost in orbit uh, is going to be taking photos from as far back into the universe as the Big Bang, hopefully, uh, is going to be blowing our minds with the images that it beams back uh, somewhere in the next six months. That's okay. It's not, it's not body talk, but the deployment of the James Webb Space Telescope, that was also one of my highlights for 2021. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That gold mirror? Mm -hmm. Were you just on the edge of your seat, like unable to sleep until the last <laughs> panels were able to open? Oh, yeah. And there were 147 moving parts that had to move perfectly to get all those panels into the right position. Oh. And it's... It's going to be uh, in orbit a million miles away from the Earth. And I did. I asked Siri. Let's do it right now, as a matter of fact. Hey, Siri, how far is a million miles? One million miles is 5,280,000,000 feet. So that, that kind of helps and doesn't help, but 5.2 billion feet. So you can imagine how long it would take to walk. 5.2 billion feet. Just, just, just think about that and let your mind be blown that we were able to actually send something, send something that far into the universe. So, you know, and I believe that we're going to continue to send things uh, deeper and further into our inner universe, like this ECM picture. I can't, so, I can't help but, uh, but wonder though about the, the colors, right? This is, they added the color, right? Oh, they, I mean, they totally added the colors and they yeah. made it very trippy, very, very psychedelic here. Yeah, it's very fashion forward. <laughs> yes. And so, that, okay. So I predict in our <laughs> lifetime, I predict in our lifetime that the younger generation will be tattooing their extracellular matrix, taking confocal pictures of it and selling them as nfts you heard it here first on body talk i haven't thought that far into the future yeah yep celebrity extracellular matrix nfts i'm telling you i mean i know you happen. can get your dna sequenced and you can have art made of it because i have some friends that did that uh-huh mm -hmm. it's on their what's wall it, what's it look like art <laughs> I don't know, modern art. Is, looks it, like... is, it, is it good art? Is it bad art? Is it there? It's fine. It was very expensive. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's good. And art. I don't have a link. I'm sorry. I don't have a link for you for that. Okay. No, uh, that's, well, it is, it is from their private collection. So I get that. Okay. Another big thing that happened in 2021 was the Nobel Prize for the piezo-2 receptor, which is vital to proprioception. Doesn't get better than that. The Nobel Prize for what we love to do, which is touch other people or be self-touched by self or tools. It's amazing. Well, I just think it's great that the word proprioception is entering the more popular science category by that being what it was awarded for. And this is research that goes back uh, over 10 years. So this was not like something that was suddenly discovered, but it's something that was 
slowly being worked on since it's been discovered and it involves both heat and it involves a pressure. I, yeah, I mean, this is obviously decades of work um, have gone into trying to figure out what is the transducer? Like what is the thing that can convert touch into a chemical signal in the nervous system? So that's what um, Papudian, right? Artem, Artem, yes. Papudian? Pap Armin. Armin. Pataputian. Pataputian. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Was after, and he figured out that there is a, I guess, a protein channel that. It's a protein molecule that's part of the principal mechanotransduction channel for proprioception. And it's a specialized protein embedded in the cell membrane that allows cells to respond to pressure and touch. Right. So these are neurons all over the body. That, that's what's interesting about this too, because I had come across some piezo um, information within the lungs um, while doing research for my book. And, it, and then when I look, and I just, it just stuck in my, my brain, like, oh, well, of course there's, there's touch receptors within the lungs. Your lungs have to be able to sense correct amount of inflation. They also have to be able to sense um, irritants within it. And I know these are vaguely mediated um, and those are things that are really interesting to me and to, um, to my students, but it was his work. He was, he was the guy that, I mean, I was like, I just came across this stuff, but I don't think it's stuck in my brain, um, who the scientist behind it all was, but these receptors, I mean, they're all over your body touches, touches the ubiquitous sense, right? I mean, it's yes. so big that. I think that was his interest because I read some, I read a couple of interviews with him. His interest was like, well, we, it's something that we so take for granted. Why not study it? Um, exactly. And it's, it's the oldest sense, which means it also has the greatest potential for development, evolutionarily speaking. It could be the most refined, most sensitive sense. And I guess also they said, this is the last sense that's been awarded a Nobel prize. I think there was stuff awarded for sight at some point and for olfaction at some point, but touch, did not know that. touch never made it into the, uh, the Nobel. That's, I think I read that. Yeah. I also just want to, just want to throw this in there. They have studied them in both muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs. So they're present wherever those are present, but I haven't seen anything where they've done that goes into the other sensory receptors like Ruffini's or type fours or things like that. Mm -hmm. But they're in your bladder. That was a big one. That was part of what contributed to this overall, uh, right? You, you can sense when your bladder. How is else do full? you know when your bladder is full? Right. Exactly. Right. Unless you have deficient piezo reception throughout your body, which is linked to loss of bladder control. And I'm sure uh, I would imagine control of other, other things spilling out of your body. Yes. That are under voluntary control. So that was another exciting thing that happened in 2021. And I'm hoping to get somebody from Pataputian's lab on the podcast for 2022, because ah, it's got some questions and uh, they were a little bit busy. Uh, when I emailed them, when the news broke, uh, they were a little, a little occupied at the time. So I think uh, waiting a few months and getting back to them. So we'll hopefully that'll be something coming down the pike sometime in the first half of 2022 on Body Talk. Please, 
let it be so. I mean, there's nothing, there's very little out there of anyone from his lab talking out loud about this stuff, but I will make a recommendation of a book. My dear friend, Katie Bowman wrote a book called move your DNA. And mm -hmm. the book is such an easy read. And the entire book is about mechanotransduction. So if you're wondering what is this thing, mechanotransduction, she really reduces it uh, well for, um, you know, a lay audience and also, you know, movement professional audience. So I, I can't recommend that book enough. All right. I have something that I just called up here from uh, something that I have written that is not yet published. Ooh, so people listening, close your ears. So, all right. So uh, Armand Pataputian won his Nobel for the discovery of a pressure sensitive ion channel, that's piezo two. And it's essential to how cells respond to touch and the principal mechanotransduction channel for proprioception is this piezo two receptor. Uh, and more than an ion channel, it's a specialized protein embedded in the cell membranes that allows the cells that have it to respond to pressure in touch. And, and this was the piece I remembered, uh, but specifically here, uh, it specific to muscle spindles in Golgi tendon organs. So those are the areas that they've been studying these piezo-2 receptors and this piezo-2 molecule. And we know that people with scoliosis seem to be deficient uh, in this piezo-2 molecule. Right, right, uh, right. So that's, so there is something there's, there's, there, you know, as, as always, a lot of these uh, discoveries yield even more questions. Also, um, to keep the theme of this podcast going, the lack of piezo2 has been shown to create, and this is a quote from the paper, extremely uncoordinated movements in mice. So speaking of touch, uh, one of the other things that got me really excited and kept me really busy in 2021 was the International Consortium on Manual Therapies, which is the first attempt to herd the cats of manual therapy, get them out of their silos, because yes, cats live in silos, get them out of their silos and conversing, collaborating and discussing uh, where we overlap and where we're unique. And my colleagues and I, uh, my colleagues being the uh, previously mentioned Katja Barsh, uh, Arab Jacobson, Vaclav Kremen, and uh, the wonderful Bernie Landells uh, from the structural integration side of things, uh, have been working with equally awesome teams of osteopaths, chiropractors, massage therapists, and physical therapists, trying to define what it is that we do, uh, why we think what we do works, and what the science actually says. We've been working towards this two years now. Uh, and we're going to have our first conference in May. It was supposed to be in person in Phoenix, but um, the decision has been made to make it a virtual conference, much to my disappointment. But given where we're at right now on the 10th of January, um, I, I, I would have a hard time arguing to do it differently. Mm -hmm. Really bummed to hear about the virtualness of the massage conference. Yeah, I am too. Was, I had it on my calendar to go. Yeah, it's it's. Let me be. It's not a massage conference. It's uh, it's a manual therapy conference. So it's Excuse going me. to. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, so there are there are five different 
disciplines being represented, massage therapy being one, physical therapy being another, chiropractic, osteopathy, and structural integration. And and we're all, I, I got to tell you, we all generally enjoy each other. There's somewhere between two and three dozen of us, you know, working on this, trying to put these therapies uh, so, so as as a representative of the structural integrators, uh, me and my group, we're trying to explain in as clear scientific medical language as possible what it is we do with our hands, why we think what we do works, and what the science says. Uh, and that's a separate review on that thing. And all the professions are doing that. And then we have to explain it to the other professions, and they get to go, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Try again. So we've been, we've, it's a very chewy process and, uh, and we're, we're forming something that we hope is going to continue on for a very, very, very long time, because once we can get these things better defined, standardized, then it becomes easier to study them and, and improve outcomes uh, and legitimacy and a lot, a lot of things. So it's, it's really difficult but exciting work. And I'm disappointed it's not going to be in person either. However, what's going to be really cool about this is we're going to be, we're going to be utilizing the latest in fake conference technology and it's called gather.town. So it, yeah, it was going to be zoom. It's going to be zoom, but gather.town allows us to build a virtual conference space and you get a little 16 bit character like a video game from the 90s that you go waka, 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 waka. And you can walk around, you can go into the vendor rooms, you can go into the main conference hall, you can go into the breakout rooms, you have a little avatar. If you bump into someone else, your names flash up, you can hit a button, immediately start a conversation with this other person. So yeah, it's actually going to be kind of fun. And we're, we're designing some things to make it as interactive as possible so that it's not just going to be three days of sitting on your butt on a Zoom call, but that you're actually going to be able to explore and participate and have chance encounters, uh, just like you would at any real conference. And I'm actually really, really excited that we're going to go in that direction, uh, utilizing this digital platform, because I think it's going to be a lot more fun for everybody. So that's, yeah, that's the I silver so. learning. I mean, I got, I had a chance to teach finally in person in December. I taught my role model method training down in Orange County with uh, a group of people who'd flown in from all over the place to attend. And that was the first time in what, two years? Yes. What was, was that like? It was scintillating energetically for me mm-hmm. to also, I had two years of fascia research bubbling up inside my body that I couldn't wait to share with these people. I hadn't taught in public since, uh, since before the publication of fascia function and medical applications, you know, so I wanted to share out everything I had learned in compiling, you know, the evidence in that chapter, plus the number of studies that had come out since then. And because my, my, the two day course day one is called the science of rolling. And I get to always update what's new, what's fresh as well as share out, share out the techniques and um, empower teachers and clinicians to be able to share this work with their, with their communities. Um, it was electrifying for me. I mean, I, for two, I think more than two weeks, I was on, a, I'm on a high right now, just thinking about it. Um, and it was so for the, for the students also, and, you know, they all went back to their different walks of life, roles of life. And 
you know, they're trying to figure out how to deliver the stuff online or in person or however they're, however they're um, making ends meet right now, but just to be able to break out of the, the capsule of uh, camera and screen and to be around other breathers and other movers was, it was everything. I mean, this is, I am a teacher. I, I belong in the classroom. I'm, I'm fine with a camera. I'm fine with a, a microphone or, or what have you, but nothing gives me life like being in the room. There's nothing like it. And so these conferences, like one of the things that hits me about you talking about this new you know, framework, you know, what's missing for all of us is those, those bathroom breaks where we digest moments of ourselves with those people next to us. And, you know, whether, whether you're talking about what just happened in the room or you're talking about your aunt who just got sick or whatever, I mean, those moments of connection, um, they really are hard to come by in the digital space. We're going to keep doing this. We will keep doing this in the digital space because it does work. Also, there's something about it that does work, but um, I'll never feel as complete as I do when I'm in the room with others. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I was personally very disappointed uh, that we were moving in that direction. But like I said, it was, there was my voice and uh, there was, let's not do it this way against all the other voices saying, we need to make a decision. We need to make it now. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you just realize, okay, this is, this is not a, this is not a decision that I can change. So I'm just going to make the best and put my energy into yeah. how can I make, because how, it can does I, work. how can I make the solution work? How can I make it, the solution it, work? It, it and does work. Better? Yeah. And there's those individuals that would never come to an in-person thing mm -hmm. um, because of the expense of travel, um, or they genuinely are um, introverts. They don't want to be in public spaces. I mean, I'm getting to meet people online that I would have never met ever, regardless of a pandemic happening or not. So there's such a blessing to meeting new types of community members because of the limitations that we're facing. So I think there's, there mm -hmm. is, there is definitely pluses to it. Um, and I'm excited because now I don't have to, you know, leave my kids and find care for them. And uh, yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. that's cool. I'm just going to miss hanging out with you, but we'll all hopefully see you in Montreal in well, September. Uh, yeah. That doesn't yeah. change. I cannot imagine that a conference in September of 2022 isn't going to happen at this point. I, I would be stunned and flabbergasted. Well, my friend is going to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in two weeks, and there's Omicron happening right now. So that's still happening. So there are mm -hmm. conferences still happening in spite of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, you, the fashion thing is international. Uh, this man manual therapy consortium is international. A lot of the people on the planning mm. committee and the working groups are from uh, outside yeah. the United States and they have legitimate concerns about travel. Oh yeah. We're, so, you we're, know, we're, listening, we're... listening, listening to those voices. Uh, you've got to go, you've got to go with that. But yeah. uh, I assume that you attended the big speaking, the fascia Congress, the, that's going to have the, the first uh, North American unveiling of the Freya project. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming that you saw that on I Zoom. sure did. did I was so excited. Oh yes, that was 
absolutely incredible. And yet another, um, I think yet another billboard for fascia in the world of billboards, right? So there was a Nobel and then we had the Freya reveal, although I'm sure the Freya reveal did not have the level of, um, of marketing that the Nobel prize did in terms of press coverage. But for those, you know, but for those fashion nerds in the world, it was this bigger. was a huge it moment. It was bigger. It was it bigger. Was bigger. <laughs> so the Freya moment, just in case you're tuning in late, uh, this was the first fascia focused, not all fascia, but fascia focused full body plastinate, uh, which are the exhibits at the body world, uh, traveling exhibits uh, of human bodies uh, and the muscles and the organs and the bones and the nerves and everything in between doing all the things that human beings do. I'm sure many of the listeners, if you haven't been to one of those exhibits, you've certainly seen pictures of those exhibits. And um, it, it was a phenomenal four-year achievement uh, really, really pushed forward by, by some very dear friends of ours, including uh, Robert Schleip, Rochelle Claussen, uh, Gary Carter, uh, Jahan Adam, um, and uh, Lori Nemitz, um, and also the people at the Plastinarium, uh, Dr. Vladimir Cheremensky, and um, oh, and I'm forgetting the other one. Um, you know, it's on the tip of my brain. Uh, but uh, uh, Angelina Wally, Dr. Angelina Wally, who named Freya Freya by the way. Oh. Um, what is the, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to get, I'm going to get slagged here. No, 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 uh -oh. no, no. They came up with the, um, she picked the body that became Freya. Oh, okay. She changed the spelling of Freya to make it an acronym, but she liked the name, okay. um, but she did not pick the name. Whew. Okay. Um, my You're off the hook. I'm off the hook, but if you missed it, if you missed it, there will be a link to the, live web broadcast in the show notes it was the day before thanksgiving so i'll understand if you were too busy to tune in but jill and i both tuned in and uh, i was i was high from days from that and i think they're looking to do another one i just saw a facebook post that they're taking applications for yet another fascia project to happen at the placenarium because i guess the the um you know, big management there really liked it. And so they're looking to do another one. They basically fell in love with it. And Freya is now, even though she'll be traveling to um, Montreal, she is going to be part of the permanent exhibit in Berlin. And there's a whole fascia section now in Berlin where Freya is the showcase, but they have made it part of the permanent exhibit in Berlin. So they want more of these things. And um, yes, we don't know I think we're going to find out this week by the certain by the time the podcast airs if that dissection in Germany is going to happen or if it's going to have to get postponed. But yes, they had some people drop out. That's why there's for travel reasons, uh, and that's why there's some openings now to be part of the crew. But you know, you have to you have to come in having some skills, uh, right? So you, there, you, know, you have to have I think thirty six hours of lab work in your back yeah. pocket. Yeah, I mean, I've got thirty six lab hours in my sure. back pocket, but that's from the most recent one was 10 years ago. So it's like, right. I'm not your guy, you know, it's like by, you know, it's like, that was, that was, that was, that was a lot. This is like the, the, the Delphi, this is like the Delphi outreach to um, do fascia, uh, fascia models. Like we had the, the Delphi uh, outreach for the foam roller study. Now they're looking for experts who have enough lab experience to be able to 
to, yep. to roll, to be able to, to do the next model. But yeah, that makes sense that they also, because they have so many road shows, they probably want to have other fascia exhibits in their traveling shows as well. That would make sense to me. Yeah. And there's a, it takes a lot to make these. What else are you excited about? What else you get coming up, uh, cooking up for 2022, Joe? Um, well, for, for me, for 2022, um, we're going to be launching in 2022, one major, major, major thing, which is hopefully the publication of my book, Body by Breath, that I've been working on for now over seven years. Uh, we're wrestling with covers. That's been really, really painful. Um, but that's kind of been the holdup is figuring out this cover and then the artwork, um, the artwork production will happen once we settle on the cover. So that's where we're at. So that's happening hopefully in the in the spring. That's the plan now. It was originally slated for February, but uh, we couldn't make that deadline. Uh, book writing takes forever, as you know. Yes. And um, but in the immediate 2022, the first thing I've got cooking is right here. Actually, I'm sitting in my office. You guys are listening to this on obviously audio, but um, I have a, a pullout Murphy bed there. Tom Myers will be sleeping right there in one month. He and I are doing a new program called New Roots, which is an extension of our Rolling Along the Anatomy Trains program that we developed a few years ago and filmed and, and launched last year. And we weren't able to do all of the, the anatomy trains in the Rolling Along the Anatomy Trains. We had had to leave uh, a number of things off camera because we just didn't simply didn't have time. And so we're picking up on the functional lines together. And we're also doing some really specialized visceral work around deep front line that I'm extremely excited mm. to do with mm. him. And uh, yeah, we're shooting right in the back of my house. I have a studio back there and it's gonna be a two day live online. Speaking of, I mean, at least he and I will be in the room together for the first time in more than two years, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm so excited to also have coffee with him and cook dinner for him and have him play with my kids. He's just, he's like a honorary grandpa around here. I mean, honorary father for me, but grandfather for my children. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I got it. I got it. I got to do where you yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah. That's February 12th and 13th. So that's something that I've been, um, we've been plotting, you know, ferociously for the last mm -hmm. several weeks and planning for, um, I mean, it's imminent. It's four weeks away, I guess. And then um, later in the summer, um, they're bringing me back out to Anatomy Trains out in Maine. And we're going to do, we're going to do something, something. So we haven't announced that yet. So there's a few things. I just, I, I'm supposed to go to London and teach in July. You can hear the hesitance in my uh, voice. Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to go to France in June <laughs> teach, I know. And I'm maybe in Amsterdam in March, which is even more like, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe probably not. Uh. Yeah. Lots of surges <laughs> happening, but I'm, I'm open to teaching more in person. Oh, there is totally. a really big thing. I am going to teach in person in LA, uh, in Sherman Oaks, where I'm literally going to be announcing um, my teacher training for the first time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For the first time in two years, I'll be teaching my, my full on teacher training. It's a seven day course. And that's the, called the yoga to teacher training. And that will be April, I think April 6th through 13th. Yeah. We'll, we'll have announced it by the time this podcast airs. Um, Oh, and we're going to do an online component, which we've never done. We've never opened up any part of this training to outside eyes, but we're going to open up. It's going to be a hybrid of, event. Not fully hybrid. There, there's a portion of it that typically there's, there's 
these two hour master classes that I teach every day um, that often will allow guests to come in and take those master classes. And so because the studio has cameras, we're going to be able to open up the master classes to all the people and and not just um, not just to quote unquote uh, walk-ins. So that's really exciting. We've never done that before. And um, that'll be really, really awesome for me. And I have an online classroom. I mean, I've got, I, we got a lot of stuff. We're doing a lot of stuff. I'm just not, don't have my live calendar is usually just so full, but I, you know, I'm, you're the same way. We have lots of hesitancy of, of declaring, yes, I'm teaching here, I'm teaching there, I'm teaching everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a good reason to uh, never say no to anything because you never know what's going to happen and what might fall through along the way. And I think we've all learned that a lot in the last We have to say years. yes to everything now? Wait, what? Wait. <laughs> I've learned not to overload mm. my schedule or overload myself, but to say yes to things because some of the things you say yes to may not happen because of you know whether it's a case like this with uh these other potential these other researcher potential writers or with covid tubing things or what somebody decides to do in one country versus what's going to happen here in the united states what's possible and what isn't possible i mean you know once you're committed you're committed you can't make more time if you don't have it but i'm just speaking in the in the bigger picture of you know a lot of times you know when i think about the things my successes, and I look at how many things weren't successful, it wasn't necessarily that they weren't successful. It's just that the circumstances were right, weren't right, and they didn't quite happen because life is just that way sometimes. It doesn't make it a failure just because it didn't happen. Sometimes that's just life. Yeah, for sure. And I, I certainly have invited some collaborations and we've had, you know, down the, you know, many conversations about projects um, with a number of different colleagues. And I, I don't, I don't feel like anything's on the back burner. It's just, everybody has to have the, the time and the resources to be able to press go on any oh, given yeah. project. Um, and I, I, there is one very, very dear project that I'm really looking forward to doing. And I just like, when am I going to get to do this with this person? Cause we have it, we've got it outlined, we have it shaped we have the same intention, but it's like, oh, when is the time going to allow that to be the one? Oh. I got a few of those too. I got a yeah. few of those too. I also have a little other, another book that I don't even want to say exists, but it does. And it's, I, I want to do that book too. Oh. Um, I got one of those. I got one of those. I can't talk about just yet. I will later this year. I, I have a children's book. No that is yeah, 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 I do. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just looking for the illustrator. So um, so yeah, there's stuff, there's stuff, and maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I don't know, but we're gonna see, we're gonna find out. Okay, when we hang up, I have <laughs> questions for you. <laughs> I mean, when we hang up on the podcast, not hang up on each other. Yeah, yeah. I hope we never hang up on each other, Joe. But I'm hung up on you. Oh, oh. And someday we will make music together too. We have talked about I saw that guitar in the background and I was wondering, I was like, do you play too? I did not know that. 
oh no, that's those are my husband's guitars, but I sing and I, I'm finally singing again. I okay. retrained my voice in uh, pop methods mm-hmm. after letting it go dormant for for decades as a you know Broadway opera person. That's I, true. Yeah. You know, somebody somebody is trying to get me. There's there's going to be the um, the the fascia fascia illuminated, which is a 90 minute. Um, talent show review at the fashion congress i saw that they but did you see the application did you see the application i didn't because it's heinous is it is it you have to have like an abstract and all yes and you need to give like here's three aspects of how it relates to fascia and here's here's a video of my previous work and you know and it's just like i i've had to do i i've applied to academic conferences that were less rigorous than this thing to get up and sing a song for four minutes, you know? Uh. Oh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize there were so many barriers to entry. I mean, it's uh, I just think, I just, I just think they should make it an open mic night. I really do. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm, well, we I'm, can I'm, do an open mic. We can hold court in the bar and mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, yeah. We just, we just need we'll somebody to bring a guitar because trying to bring a guitar from Pittsburgh to Montreal and air, airlines, I just don't even want to think about that right now. Robert has a travel guitar. You don't have okay. I have, I have, a, I have a travel one that's interesting because it, um, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a pickup though. Um, oh. but, but, but it works. Um, when I travel here in the States, I have to argue with the people at the gate and insist that it will fit into the overhead because it's designed that way. When I travel in Europe, they say, oh, you're a musician. You can board early. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so you much know, nicer. It's so I, much nicer. I get stopped because of my balls all the time at TSA. So I understand your pain. If, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, uh, to those that are listening, some of you do know because you might be students of mine or, or you use a role model balls. You'll always get pulled over at TSA if you don't oh, sure. declare your balls ahead of time. You have to declare your balls ahead of time um, and reveal them because they are, they're called repeaters. When there's many objects that these are you know dense rubber and so they're going to come back on the screen and look like they don't look like massage tools. Okay. They look like something threatening. So you should, they can't see through them and they're kind of dense. Yeah. I put mine in my suitcase. I don't put them in my carry on. Oh, interesting. uh, I travel with them in my carry on so I can use them in the the seat of the airplane. I knew you were going to say that, you know, when I get back to traveling to Europe, I might have to change that because it would really come in handy on those long flights. Anyway, it's been a great long flight talking with you here this <laughs> afternoon uh let's bring it in for a landing okay and thank you for kicking off 2022 in style joe yes and thank you for having me on this fascia past and fascia future forecast it is and- a fascia past <laughs> all right peace out Bye. thanks for listening to another episode of body talk remember to support the show at patreon.com backslash body talk radio want to get in touch find me on social media or email me at bodytalkdavid at gmail.com remember to leave reviews wherever fine podcasts are found and as always the music you hear on the show is by david and the disasters see you next time on body talk Mm -hmm.